This is the Smart Communications Smart Communications Smart Communications Podcast. Developing the voices voices, voices. Developing, developing the voices, voices of determined nonprofits. Brought to you by Big Duck. Welcome to the Smart Communications Podcast. This is Farah Trumpeter, co-director and worker owner at Big Duck. Today we're going to ask the question, how can you bring accessibility and inclusion into your communications? And I am delighted to have Carrie Thompson join us as a guest. Carrie Thompson, she, her, is the Senior Advisor, Inclusion and Accessibility at the Disability Rights Fund and the Disability Rights Advocacy Fund. She was the first hire after the founding executive director back in 2008 and is the longest term member of the team. She has served in various roles, including communications, analytics, programs, operations, grant making, technology, and inclusion and accessibility. She's also the executive director for Silent Rhythms, where she teaches Latin dance as a tool for promoting inclusion of persons with disabilities in society. Carrie holds a master's in human development and psychology from Harvard University's Graduate School of Education with an academic focus on disability rights in the broader context of the international human rights movement. She herself is a woman with deaf blindness. I'm so excited to have her here today. So Carrie, I'd love to start off by learning more about you. Can you explain what your organization does and a little bit about your current role as Senior Advisor of Inclusion and Accessibility at the Disability Rights Fund and the Disability Rights Advocacy Fund? How are you crafting the organization's internal processes, policies, and practices to be a model for others? Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so honored to be a part of this podcast. I've been with DRF, and let's just call Disability Rights Fund, DRF, to keep it sweet and short. I've been with DRF since the beginning in 2008, and what is DRF? DRF is a nonprofit organization based in Boston. We provide grants, technical assistance, and advocacy support for people with disabilities and organizations led by people with disabilities in the global south to take action, to take the lead on achieving and implementing their human rights. What we do is to make sure that people with disabilities are the one front and center, that they have a seat at the table. These grants that are given are to help support advocacy efforts to get disability legislation in place, practice and policies in place to make sure that people with disabilities are at the table on conversations about climate change, social justice, women's rights, LGBTQI. It's not just disability rights. It's all rights that we are trying to work on at Disability Rights Fund. DRF has done, we have given more than 45 million US dollars in funding across 39 different countries in the global south. We started off as a very, very small organization our first year with three people on the team. In the first 10 years, we had up to 10 people on the staff. We currently have 30 people on staff, but we're spread around the world to 15 different countries. We understand the pain of nonprofit, of having a large mission while also having a very small budget and a very small team, but really 
great passion and dedication for the work we're doing, for this cause that we are all in together to help move forward human rights for all people with disabilities. Hmm. What do I do? As you just heard from my bio description, everything. So being with CRF since the very beginning, I've had a first row seat to a pioneering organization that was working to implement two pioneering concepts. One, a participatory approach, making sure that we have people with disabilities and the staff on the board, part of our grantees, part of our audience. We were also trying to use a rights-based approach. We're not looking at trying to fund charity or using a charity model. We're trying to use a social model perspective. So a little bit of a pioneering concept. Having the privilege of sitting at the front row, this new organization and evolving over the years has also meant that my role at DNA has evolved over the last 15 years. I started off as a program associate, and then, as you heard, I'm currently the senior advisor. In the first 15 years, a lot of what I was doing was focusing on the general aspect of being a nonprofit, a general operations setup, a general communication setup, generally working on having meetings. But all of that I had to do with an, a lens to accessibility. I also had to think about this from a global perspective to make sure that it's not just accessible in the U.S., it has to be accessible and inclusive for our audience that the majority of are based outside the U.S. So what I do now as a senior advisor is to I am putting accessibility and inclusion at the center of everything our organization does. I am making sure that our communication is inclusive and accessible. I am making sure that our staff knows how to communicate with each other around the world, considering our different regional needs, our different accessibility needs. I am also trying to make sure that we are going through what we call a transition year in which we have a new executive director. We are also transitioning through the period of post-COVID era. A lot of that means new things, new practices. Accessibility is not static. Accessibility is very dynamic. It is always evolving, especially as technology and practice evolve. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And especially your last comment, accessibility is not static. And as we were preparing for this conversation, you shared that deaf blindness is often overlooked as organizations work to be more inclusive of people with disabilities. I also read a post that you wrote in 2016, which we will be sure to link to in the show notes at bigduck.com slash insights, where you stated, quote unquote, persons with disabilities as a group are one of the most marginalized populations in the world, and persons with deaf blindness are among the most marginalized within this population. Could you share a little bit more about this? Mm-hmm. I'm happy to do so. As you already heard, that persons with disabilities is one of the most marginalized populations in the world. The majority of people who have a disability fall within three categories, physical disability, visual disability, or deaf, hard of hearing. There are other categories of disability that have a smaller number, and therefore they have a harder time advocating in numbers. Those populations 
we at Disability Rights Fund, DRF, we define a definition of what we mean by marginalized group. We already knew that people with disabilities were marginalized. The other groups that were especially marginalized, even within the disability rights movement, are women with disabilities, youth with disabilities, indigenous people with disabilities, little person, persons with intellectual disabilities, persons with psychosocial disability, and my own disability of deaf blindness. Why are they more marginalized than others? There are various reasons for that. For some, there's a stigma, especially for persons with psychosocial disabilities. They are marginalized by the belief and the stigma attached for people who have psychosocial disabilities that they believe that they are possessed by the devil. Now, there is a cultural stigma that is very strongly attached to that disability. For persons with intellectual disability, they struggle with legal capacity and being recognized as an individual who has the right to have an access to a bank account to make decisions for themselves. Their legal capacities are taken away from them, which contributes to their marginalization, especially if they're not usually able to legally register as an organization. Persons with deaf blindness have a multitude of communication barriers. Deaf organizations are not always inclusive of people with deaf blindness. Blind organizations are not inclusive of people with deaf blindness. We tend to fall in between the gaps for a good number of reasons. People don't know how to communicate with us. And that's not because people with deaf blindness don't know how to communicate. We probably have some of the most richest way of communicating that really inspires you to think outside of the box. One example is American Sign Language. I also use tactile American Sign Language in which I sign into a person's hand. I also use something called protactile. And protactile is not sign language, but it is drawing a map on my back, on my shoulder, of what people are doing. Are they laughing? Are they smiling? Did someone enter the room? Does someone have a question? Is someone on their phone? I have eyes. They're just not through visual eyes. They are through people's fingers. I also use Braille. I use Braille display. So there are so many ways that I communicate, but it is a challenge when others do not know how to communicate with me. COVID was an especially challenging period because just when I needed to touch to communicate, the world was saying, don't touch. And you shut off my communication. Wow, that must have been very hard. Thank you for sharing all of that. I know I'm learning so much by talking with you. I want to think a little bit now about organizations. What do you think nonprofit organizations can do to be more inclusive and accessible both internally and externally? I'd love to hear any ideas you have, particularly as it relates to communications and marketing and being more accessible and inclusive of people with disabilities. I like to think that you need to act, A-C-T. First, you need to think about attitude. You need to change your attitude to stop thinking about people with disabilities as not part of your community, not part of your work, not part of being capable of being in the workforce not interested, you need to change those attitudes. That's the first thing. Second, commitment. You need to make sure, yes, you want to make change, 
once you learn how to make changes for people with disabilities to be more inclusive and accessible, you need to commit yourself to continuing this practice, not when you just first learn how to do it, continuously. You need to make sure that your team is also committed to doing this because we know nonprofits have high turnover. Accessibility knowledge should not be limited to just one or two people on your team. Everyone needs to know. The third part of this is time. Many of us may have this commitment to wanting to be more accessible and inclusive. We don't budget time for it. Send yourself a calendar invitation that says Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. You are going to take the time to learn how to do something in an accessible way. You are going to learn how to make social media accessible. Or you are going to figure out how to turn on that darn automatic captioning, making the time for this. And one of the best ways to go forward, instead of making it in theory, you are trying to act. You are going to act. ACT, attitude, commitment, and time. But I know that sounds a little vague. You would like a little bit more concrete example for communication folk. Now, here are some concrete action. One, use alternative text and image description for your website, for your email newsletters, for social media. All of the social media platforms have built-in features to allow alt text. The second way is to also turn on automatic caption for all of your meetings. At the very least, you should always have the practice of turning on automatic caption. It's free as part of all your platform. Your videos should also be captioned that you're posting on social media. The social media platforms have the ability to add caption. The next part is you need to think about accessibility as more than a job between nine to five. You need to think about it from five to nine. It needs to happen outside of your normal work hours. Real change will only happen if it's all the way. The communication team shouldn't just be posting on social media in an accessible way for the organization. Their personal profile, their personal pages should also be trying to incorporate accessibility. That's when you're going to start to see real change. Thank you for those tips. And at Big Duck, we have written some blog posts, including one, Can Your Brand Be More Accessible?, by Sandy Zimmerman and Wing Say Ho. We also have a blog post by Josh Kelly, Want to be Accessible, Don't Leave Virtual Meetings Behind. We'll link to those articles for folks looking for some more of these tips, again, in the show notes at bigduck.com slash insights. Now, I know some folks who work at nonprofits struggle to get buy-in for inclusion. Do you have any recommendations for what staff can do to convince leadership or other colleagues in general, as well as just ways to push to incorporate accessibility in their diversity, equity, and inclusion plans, commitments, and other DEI activities. That's always going to be a challenge of convincing the higher up to work for all people. The first thing I think what you need to do is to convince leadership that people with disabilities are a big potential. A big potential in many ways. They could potentially be on your staff or currently on the future. They could be potential donors. You don't realize that, but they, people with disabilities are also potential donors, can fund and give donations. 
people with disability can potentially be on your board and potentially be part of your stakeholders and your audience. Just because you don't know they're there doesn't mean they're not there. Another way of trying to prevent leadership is to understand that a lot of times leadership might feel that they don't even have a problem, that their team sure is going to be accessible and inclusive. But if you do a survey among your staff and you start to realize that's not really true, my staff does not feel confident to do this on an individual level. That's important to really understand you correctly read your staff and your team's ability to be accessible and inclusive. Another big concern for leadership is often about budget. Accessibility costs money. We don't have any money in our budget for accessibility. All of those examples I just gave you after you asked, all of those are free. You don't have to pay extra for social media, adding alt text and captioning. You don't have to pay extra to add automatic captioning to all of your meetings and virtual events. That's already included in your package that, yes, you probably already do pay money for it, but the accessibility component is not extra. You need to remind leadership it does not cost more to be accessible. And then sometimes when there is a cost for accessibility, like to have a sign language interpreter or a professional captioner, it's really just a few hundred dollars. You probably spend more on coffee for that for your team and your organization. So make a little room in your budget for accessibility. Sometimes we know as the year is coming to a close that we're all starting to think about our annual budget for the next year. Start now. Put in accessibility. Thank you, Carrie. So many great ideas. And I know that to really make sure that folks are accountable to this work, it helps to have outcomes and even lots of things they can do. So before we go, are there any other suggestions of actions people can take within their organization or even just in their communities to be more inclusive and accessible? Oh, I have so many ideas, but I'll try to limit it to just a few. Again, knowing that y'all are communication full, what can you do to be more accessible and inclusive in communication? You could personally learn how to use a screen reader. That sounds like impossible task. All Apple devices have a screen reader built in called VoiceOver. And you can generally listen to VoiceOver over your, your LinkedIn app, your Facebook app, Instagram app. Turn on VoiceOver when you're in your social media app and you will understand what social media sounds like through a screen reader. It would be pretty eye-opening, pun intended. Another one that I really like is called otter.ai, a speech-to-text app that I use all the time. I use it to help me when captions have not been provided for a meeting. I use it as a recording tool when I need to take meeting notes. Accessibility can benefit more than just people with disability. It has a universal design component to it. And then one last thing that I like to ask people to do in their community is sign up to be a volunteer on the Be My Eyes app. It's a really great, amazing app. 
bad. People sign up. You might never be called, but those who have been called that once or twice a year for a few minutes, a blind person is connected to them, and they ask the question, "What is the oven temperature on my oven?" They may say, "I'm having a hard time reading this document," and they show you the document on the phone. These are really amazing things that only take a few minutes of your time. You don't have to train. All you have to do is look at the video shown to you, describe it, and then you have made a world of a difference to someone. Simple. That's great, incredible. We will again link to all of that at bigduck.com/insights with the transcript of this episode. If you're out there and you want to learn more about Carrie's organizations, be sure to visit disabilityrightsfund.org and drafund.org. You can also learn about her other organization, silentrhythms.org. Both of these are also on social media. So for Instagram, you can follow DRF at Disability Rights Fund and Silent Rhythms at Silent Rhythms Inclusion. You can also connect with Carrie Thompson on LinkedIn, and we will link to her bio so that you can do so. Carrie, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we go? Thank you, Sarah. I want to say thank you for giving me this opportunity to be with all of you today. I also want to thank all the nonprofits for the work they are doing. We all have the same mission to make the world a better place. The World Health Organization estimates that 15% of the world's population has a disability. To make sure that we are making the world a better place, we need to include the 15% of the population. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie, and thank you, everyone out there, for doing your work. All right, have a great day. Are you a fan of this podcast or Big Duck's other resources on nonprofit communications? If you are, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line by writing to hello at bigduck.com to tell us what you're working on and what topics you need help with. We also welcome getting your feedback via reviews. You can review this podcast in iTunes or wherever you listen. We'd love to hear from you. This is the Smart Communications Podcast, developing the voices of determined nonprofits, brought to you by Big Duck. Big Duck is an agency that puts smart communications in the hands of nonprofits. We help our nonprofit clients develop strong brands, strong campaigns, and strong teams that advance their missions and achieve their goals. Connect with us at bigduck.com.